0: First, I want to say, I'm so glad Miss Joanne's back with us. She was sick for a good while. Just an answered prayer. All right, we're going to do popcorn picking tonight, and I have my assistants. Well, they're going to leave, but Uh, anybody have a song? All right, go ahead. Number three. Number three. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's a good one. If y'all don't mind standing up, that'd be great. You can sing out. And God in Let's do the second verse, that was so great. Holy, 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 he lives. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here. I mean, if he wasn't, if he didn't live, I sure wouldn't be here. You know? and since he is, I am here. God sent
1: Amen. Oh.
0: someone struggling with suicidal thoughts, like, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what can I say to them that truly matters, you know? You know, anything else that I say to them is more selfish, because I want them to live and not something they have to live for, in a sense. Anybody else? 562. 762. What a day that will be. Man, y'all got all the good ones tonight. <laughs> I <don't> like these. <sighs> promised land what a verse i mean <clears throat> the chorus acapella just just one more time and then we'll have the preaching what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see when i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand
1: And leads me through the
0: promised
1: land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Good singing tonight, wasn't it? Amen. Hey, good picking, too. Good popcorning out there. Amen. All right. I don't need to really introduce my brother a whole lot. All of you know Pastor Howard Nestor, and and uh, I just want to tell you, uh, not only is a faithful preacher of God's word, but I uh, he's a he's a dear friend, and I'm thankful to have dear friends in the ministry. And brother, you come up and preach to our hearts tonight. I'm not leaving on you. I'm in the sound room. if You need me? All right. And I can mute you. you. And I can mute you. sure is a blessing to be back tonight. I appreciate my friend, uh, Brother Mike Wills. I appreciate his stand. I appreciate who he is. And he is a friend that is that sticks closer than a brother, and I love him. And I appreciate him. Uh, I told him, I think it was this week, I said, Brother, I'm your friend. I'm not like one of those that Job had. Ain't you glad you got some friends that ain't all like Job's friends? Uh, we got a lot of folks that are are ready to pour the water on the drowning man. But I just thank God tonight that there are some friends that stick with us. And pastors need friends. Uh, a pastor doesn't have a friend is in trouble. He needs support. He needs help. He's constantly under attack. And like I said, me and Mike uh, just hit it off as soon as we met. And I appreciate him and love him. And I appreciate you all letting me come tonight. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. We're not going to preach against on the armor of God tonight. We're going to use that first verse tonight. First verse only, verse number twelve. And I don't have a lot of catchy titles, as I've told folks before, uh, but certainly this is a thought that is is quite interesting. And I'm going to say this like y'all would in Carroll County, if that's all right. Are we wrestling? Are we wrestling? That's the way we always said it. Amen. I'm, I'm my, my daughters constantly try to. Uh, keep me straight as far as my uh, my speech. And I tell them, look, I worked hard to get this accent and I'm not about to lose it. <laughs> you're just going to have to put up with it. It's a wash rag. Amen. Can I get one right there? It's Washington. It's got a R in it. Uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, let's go ahead tonight. If you don't mind, if you're able to stand tonight, go ahead and stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word if you're able tonight. Uh, We're going to read just verse number 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Fathers, we come tonight. God, I pray that you'd help me tonight. God, we all need help. I need help tonight. The folks that come out tonight, Lord, they need your help. I pray tonight that your spirit would come into this place and be given free roam tonight to change hearts, to encourage hearts where encouragement's needed, to rebuke, Father, where those uh, hearts need a rebuke. Lord, if it's my own heart, Father, in my own preaching, Lord, I pray that you'd smite my heart tonight. And we're we're not going to fail to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that would be accomplished here tonight. In Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I know today that we have the Cartoon Network where kids get to watch cartoons seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I'm going to date myself here. I see some of y'all got the old gray hair going on, the white hair, and hair that's gone. So some of you is going to be able to relate to some of this to start out. <laughs> Used to watch cartoons from, from when I got up and got my cereal going on Saturday to 12 o'clock. Y'all remember that? Had to make sure we got all those violent. Uh, cartoons in that just ruined us all, <laughs> I always wanted that roadrunner to to just uh, get, get his neck twisted, how about y'all, but at 12 o'clock, something else came on, how many of you remember what came on, the NWA, the wrestling, boy I like that stuff, hey man, I'm talking about the old guys. I'm talking about Black Jack Mulligan. Y'all remember him? He'd he his eyes back and put the claw on everybody. Johnny Weaver put them all to sleep. I remember Rufus R. Freight Train Jones. He was a black man, and he'd, he'd come up there, and it was an old, his arch enemy was Jimmy Snooker. Y'all remember that? And I still remember old Rufus. He'd get up there, and he'd say, I'm going to hit you, Jimmy Snooker, with this African soup bone. I loved wrestling. It was fun then. It wasn't vulgar. They didn't cuss. They just told everybody how they was going to whip everybody. Kind of like your brother-in-law. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I found out something. When I got to be a teenager, I had this friend of mine that I honestly and still to this day is real good friends with, with Rick Flair. And him and his uh, girlfriend, and me and my wife now, we decided we'd go to Greensboro and see a wrestling match in person. I found out something. They wasn't anybody wrestling at all. It was fake. It was as fake as the Alpine speakers you'd buy at the flea market. I mean, they'd miss them that far and they'd fall out and they'd quiver all over and come to find out, half of them drove to the arena together in the same limo. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was watching a little documentary there and they had Nikita Koloff on there and he's got an upper Midwestern accent now. (laughs) He used to be a Russian. Can you imagine? I want you to notice, first of all, the non-existent battle. I found out that it was fake. And as I read this verse, I begin to wonder how many of us are really wrestling. Do we come to church and say we've had a a wrestling match with the devil this week and then we get in the same limo with him and go home every Sunday? Y'all with me? I wonder how many times I've tried to uh, give out some kind of false thing about being a preacher or being a Christian or being a pastor uh, to, to, to get everybody to believe that I'm real only to find out that I'm really not wrestling at all. There's a non-existent battle going on in our churches today. Just like that wrestling. We're looking we're looking the part. we dressed like it. We've got all the moves. we got all the right things to say. But the truth of the matter is there's a non-existent battle in our lives. What a disappointment! Are we faking a battle with the world? Or are we just putting on a show for the crowd? Just a question. James tells us that friendship with the world is enmity to God. With God, in James four four, you can't have both. Oil and water doesn't mix. Christianity and carnal living don't mix. It's not a fertile ground. First John tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Folks, true Christians are in a battle with the world. We're in a battle with the world system. We should be at odds with everything that is ungodly in this world. We should be at odds with everything that's ungodly in our lives. We should have a daily wrestle with the world system. There's a non-existent battle. But I want you to notice also there's a non-effective battle. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's easy to fight that which you see or perceive as the enemy. We can battle as one that beateth the air if we're not careful. The Apostle Paul says, I fight not as one that beateth the air. In other words, man, you can look good up here doing all this stuff, but put somebody in front of you that hits back and let's see how well you do. It's easy for us to act like that that we're in a battle. But, But many times if we're not careful, we're in an ineffective battle. To look at another person or a group of people as the enemy is wrong. I'm going to get on your politics. Can I preach on politics a little bit, brother? No, I just want to tell you something. The Democratic Party is not your enemy. The Democratic person that's running for any office is not your enemy. See, the devil would like us to have... To, he loves for us to fight that battle. Because that's an ineffective battle. That's flesh and blood. When we went to Ireland, uh, uh, sometime back when I graduated from seminary, we went on a a mission trip, and when you went over there, they'd have signs up at at the local pubs that says no football shirts. Now, they're not talking about NFL, they're talking about soccer. But the truth of the matter is, people from this part of town hated people from this part of the town because they had a different soccer team. That's a good example of a non-effective battle. And if we're not careful, we as Christians will get sucked into such a thing and we'll think that flesh and blood is our enemy. But I want to tell you upon the authority of God's Word this evening that flesh and blood is not our enemy. He's going to tell us who our enemy is. It's a waste of energy and focus to look at someone and say, that person right there is the enemy. If the pastor looks at the deacon board and says, that's my enemy. Uh, If if the ladies uh, look at the pastor's wife and say, that's my enemy. If there's a, a stir within the church and they're looking from aisle to aisle and you got this crowd on this side and you got this crowd on this side and they're saying we're more liberal in our thinking and the other saying we're more conservative in our thinking. And listen, the Bible says, let there be no schism among you in the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, my church laughed at me, but if you'll look up and study that word schism, that's a good word, isn't it? That's one you don't hear every day. That's a good King James word, by the way. I like that word schism. It literally means gears that are not meshing together. If you want to hear the example, get old, day or drive a scrape gear, and you'll find out why. <laughs> that's schism. That's flesh and blood. Our churches today, uh, when they get in together, instead of hearing the Holy Spirit having its way in services, all you hear is, I don't like that person leading the singing. I don't like that person that teaches Sunday school. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. I don't want Moses back. I, I don't want Joshua anymore. Listen, we have churches today that are wrestling in an ineffective battle. Our enemy does not have flesh and blood. It is not mankind. This verse lets us know that our battle is against a devilish system. You see, I want to tell you tonight that Satan will hide behind another face to try to avoid detection. Why do you think he took upon the form of a serpent in the garden? Because he thought that would put Eve at ease. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the serpent was more subtle than any creature. Satan hides. Satan distracts. Satan divides. It's a non-effective battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But I want you to notice what the effective battle is. Notice what it says. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Another good word. If you look at that word and really understand what the meaning of that word is, it has the meaning of a surrendered territory under the sovereignty of a prince, a principality. By the way, Satan is king over nothing. He's not a king. He's the prince of this world. He's the god, little g of this world. And if we'd understand that we're wrestling against a foe that is already defeated. You know, I don't see anywhere in the Scriptures where it says anybody wrestled against the devil. It says there was a dispute between Michael the archangel and Satan over the body of Moses, but it doesn't say anything about wrestling. Now, we know Jacob wrestled against a man, only to find out later it was the pre-incarnate Christ. Read your Bible, you'll find that. But Satan has this uh, kind of spell on us thinking that somehow he has someone who has all this power. He's a principality. He's not a king over a kingdom. He is a prince over a surrendered territory. Now think about that for a moment. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. The only territory that Satan can take is that which is surrendered to him. Have you ever thought about that? He roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't have any authority in your life if you're a Christian. He's a principality, he's a wannabe, he is a has been that never has been. He's defeated. The Bible lets us know when Jesus Christ died on the cross that the seed of woman bruised the head of the serpent. He has no power in your life. The only power He has in your life is that which you surrender to Him. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. When He tries to tell you that your neighbor is your enemy, resist the devil. When he tries to tell you that someone that doesn't wholeheartedly agree with everything and every opinion you have is your enemy, resist the devil. When the devil tries to drive a a, a wedge between you and your friends, between you and your family, between you and your kids, between you and your wife, I understand the only territory he's going to take is that which is surrendered to him. He's just a principality. (laughs) Resist the devil. The prince of this world has no power only over those, just like the old wrestling match. How did they know when somebody got a submissive hold? They'd tap out. Some of us has just tapped out. We'd just give up. When the pain hits, it's time to tap out. If we're not careful, we'll tap out to a principality that we should have absolute victory over, folks. We have victory. The devil's defeated. We wrestle not against principality, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the effective and the existive battle. Notice, not only does it say that, but it says against spirit, against the rulers of darkness of this world. There's a lot of darkness. I'm not as old as some of y'all, but I'm like King David. I've been young, but I'm old now. <laughs> Things are beginning to change. That's another sermon. We preached on being an old man like Caleb this morning. We won't preach too tonight. And this brother Mike says we can go on. We'll preach too. But listen. It's against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Let me put it to you like I did my congregation the other Wednesday night. How many of y'all would love to live in a motel for the rest of your life? Anybody? Maybe some of you ladies would. I don't know. (laughs) they ain't really realize what's in them drawers when they put their stuff in there there. (laughs) I have opened those drawers and say we're spending the night honey we leave the luggage in the car (laughs) I don't want to spend the rest of my life in a motel what is a motel? it's somewhere you're staying for a while but it ain't your home this world is a motel for the Christians we're just staying here till we can get home. Listen, you young people, as you get older, you'll, pre- you'll, you'll appreciate that more. And I'm not pointing against you. Listen, I love young people. They have the zeal. we got to have somebody to wake us old people up. Can I get an hand right there? But at the same time, this is not our home. And as you get older, you begin to realize that there's more over there than there is over here. This world is our, this world system, the darkness, the, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Let me tell you something light dispels darkness. It's not dark now, but if you cut these lights out, it's darker than it would be without light, right? I know that's real deep scientifically, but it's true, isn't it? Darkness is not really a thing, it's simply the absence of light. Science teaches us this. The world system is designed, let me say that again, the world system is designed to go against everything that God wants. And we can't understand why there's politicians that support murder of the innocent baby in the womb. And if I offended you, I'm sorry, I, I'll say it again. The Bible says, if two men strive and hurt a woman with seed, and the seed departeth from her, those men are be put to death. You know what that says to me? That's a living, breathing human being. Don't argue with me. Argue with God. This world system supports and even encourages the homosexual lifestyle. And preachers are afraid to preach against that. What the Bible says is what I believe. And what the Bible says is true whether I believe it or not. It's not popular. I like what once somebody said the other day. The truth is, everybody wants to be a Christian until it becomes biblical. God's closed minded. Do you know that? He hates sin. You know why He hates sin? Number one, it separated us from His greatest part of creation, you and I, because we're created in His image. Second of all, it separated him, from him and His Son, who had to die because of it. God hates sin. This world stands for everything that is against God. And let me go ahead and tell you this. Man does not naturally gravitate toward peace, love, and righteousness. Let's use Seattle for an example. They was going to create a utopia. Do you know what man is without God? A mongrel. You think people are good, you take their food and their shelter, and you'll see what they'll do to get it back. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked and no man can know it. So don't look on television and judge somebody until you've been in that place because you'll find out that your natural state is is animalistic. Without God, we all are. I've tried to eat Brother Mike's food off his plate. I know how he gets. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, listen, this world, man will always turn towards self-destruction. Darkness against the rulers of the darkness of this world. This world is dark. That's why we have so many veterans committing suicide. That's why we have so many teenagers committing suicide. That's how we have so many young people turning to drugs and alcohol and everything else. It's because there is darkness in this world. And there's rulers of darkness. Man seeks darkness rather than light. John chapter 3 verse 19. Make no mistake. This world is established in darkness, and it loves it. They love their darkness. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. And I want you to notice lastly, yeah, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Be very careful when someone interjects the word God into a conversation. You better listen close. I heard Oprah Winfrey once say that she loved God and that she had done a lot for her. If you're not paying attention, you'll miss that, won't you? God's referred to in the masculinity, and the masculinity stands for authority. He is not a she. I don't say that because I'm a man, because God is the ultimate authority. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual darkness is defined as any spiritual belief that goes against God's Word. Spiritual wickedness in high places. How many of you know spiritual wickedness will get exalted over righteousness? We know I only have to read very far to find Ahab and Jezebel. When he married Jezebel, who was of the Zidonians, we find out that she was spiritually wicked. Therefore, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, Ahab, became what? Spiritually wicked. He finally met Elijah and he said, Here's the one that doth trouble Israel. And he's looking right at Elijah. He's blaming the preacher. And Elijah says, No, I think you're the problem, buddy, because you're spiritually wicked. How many of you you know that being in a high place doesn't mean that God's got his hand on you? How many of you know God put Pharaoh in charge so he could harden his heart and use him to prove his glory? Do you think Pilate was where he was by accident? God used him to bring his plan to volition those soldiers boy they thought they was in charge they were puppets of the almighty read matthew you'll find out that the scriptures might be fulfilled that the scriptures might be fulfilled that the scriptures might be fulfilled the truth is everything's going to be fulfilled but there's going to be spiritual wickedness in high places we must be ready when the spiritual wickedness calls us forward to go to the mat for Jesus. We've got to be ready to take some hits. I made this statement this morning, and I said I'm not going to preach it tonight, but I made a statement. I said, sometimes the inheritance of God, you can read this in Joshua 14 about Caleb, sometimes the inheritance of God is a battle instead of a blessing. Sometimes the best thing for you Is a battle Can I go ahead and say most of the time The best thing for you Is a battle A real one One that we are called To wrestle against My question would be simply tonight Are you wrestling Or are you faking? Are you willing to go to the mat for Jesus? Or are you just going to tap out? The reason I ask that question is for this last statement. The world's people and their eternal destination is at stake tonight in your life and in my life. You don't hear much preaching about hell anymore, but I'm gonna tell you it's just as hot as it was thirty years ago, forty years ago. And there's people there tonight. The rich man is still there. Korah and his men that went against Moses is still there. They're all still there. And they hadn't got one degree cooler. And they haven't got one bit used to the temperature. It's eternal torment. And church, if we don't continue to wrestle against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places, it's almost as though we're given the okay for hell to march on. It's up to us. My question tonight is Are you wrestling? Let's all stand in the way of invitation tonight. I don't know what y'all normally do, but I just want to, if you don't mind, just have a solemn, quiet invitation. If you can stand, that'll be fine. Every head bow. I understand there's some social distancing in line, but I also understand that this altar is a holy place, and God's going to protect it. Has God touched your heart tonight? Is God dealing with you concerning your wrestling career? God's touched your heart tonight, and you need to come recommit. The the, the altar's open. Come do business with Him. Are you like that tonight? Maybe the fact is tonight, you're lost. you already damned you've already lost they've already tapped you they've already counted you out if you die in that condition you'll lose hell will be your home I wouldn't live a minute longer in that condition if I was you I don't know any heart here tonight I'll make this statement pastors and deacons get saved all the time because they've not been wrestling your name can be on the church roll and that won't change a thing. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in his shed blood and his substitutional death on the cross, you're godless. No matter how moral you are, it's not good enough for a holy and righteous God. If you're in that condition, I suggest tonight before you leave this building you make things right with God you're here tonight and you're not wrestling don't you think it's time you get in on it don't you think it's time that you become part of the winning team